Hi, I'm Jerry. I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Cold Theatre Company. Welcome to Into the Fire, the Burning Cold Theatre Company podcast series on all things theatrical. And do we have one today for you? Uh, Emily Rainey, who is directing Heisenberg and who has worked at Burning Coal uh, in many capacities over the years, is joining us today. Hello, Emily. Hi, Jerry. Great to be here. Thank you for joining us. Um, we uh, are going to be opening a play uh, next week, uh, January 19th, called Heisenberg, uh, by Simon Stevens, who is n- most known in the United States as the author of the stage adaptation of The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. There's a lot of work going on in the background right now, so if you hear ambient noises, it is not Alex doing a soft shoe routine, but rather one of our uh, ASMs sweeping the stage. So please bear with us on that. Heisenberg is uh, directed by Emily Reina, and we thought we'd ask Emily a little bit about the play. But before I do that, Emily, I'd like to just ask you to talk a little bit about yourself. Tell our listeners where you um, are from and how, in the name of uh, all that's holy, you got involved in the theater. Absolutely. So I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, my, uh, my first big theatrical experience. I remember I was uh, 12 years old and I did a production of Einstein's Dreams, the first round that Burning Coal did uh, once upon a time ago and was hooked ever since. That was in our second season. That's right. Uh, Exactly. 19 years ago, I just learned. Yeah, that's right. Uh, um, One of us has changed a lot during that time (laughs) and one of us hasn't. And and it's not the one you'd think. So, um, Emily, uh, so you acted for us in Einstein's Dreams, which was directed by Rebecca Holderness. and um, Another science play. Right, that's right. And then uh, when you uh, began to direct for us, uh, the first thing you tackled was a play called uh, The Love Song of J. Robert Oppenheimer. Yes. What gives? (laughs) What gives? You know, I think that there is something uh, really magical about examining uh, scientists, mathematicians. I really do feel like uh, their obsession is very much the artist's obsession. It's a quest to find the beauty of the universe, to understand how it works. Um, It's looking at different kinds of questions in all sorts of, from all sorts of different directions uh, and really trying to solve a puzzle. And I think that that is true for artists and I think that that's true for scientists and mathematicians too. So I think looking at these stories um, is a way for me to examine the artist path uh, through metaphor. Mm-hmm. We don't uh, know a lot about, uh, about scientists typically. Their, uh, their inventions can often have a profound impact on people's lives. Certainly that was the the case with uh, Robert Oppenheimer, but um, but we don't tend to know very much about them in the way that we do about other um, impactful figures, politicians, um, artists, and that sort of thing. And so, uh, when you when you explore the history of um, of uh, science, you are on some level, I think, exploring the history of that person as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when you uh, work on a play about science, how much do you immerse yourself in the science of it, or are you more interested in you know, the sort of human uh, interactions and that sort of thing? Yeah, I think that's so incredibly play-specific. Um, I mean, in Oppenheimer, you really had to understand the science, but actually primarily the biography of Oppenheimer to understand the function of that play. This play, Heisenberg, the the 
the uncertainty principle is really a metaphor for two people trying to come towards each other, missing each other, uh, passing by each other. It's a metaphor for loneliness. Uh, it's a metaphor for uh, immense love and finding connection in surprising ways. So here, actually, in the play itself, the, the science is all told through relationship. So you have to understand the base part of the science, but what you actually see is a love story from the audience's perspective. And then, of course, the title screams that there's science in the play. Uh -huh. uh, but So in... you're looking for it coming in the door. Sort exactly. Of. Yeah. Now, tell, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but can you just very succinctly summarize what that sciences uh, in this Oh, way. yes, yes, yes. Um, no, so the, in the uncertainty principle, you can never understand the position and the velocity of a given particle at any one time. The more you try to understand the position of that particle, the less you understand about its velocity and vice versa. So here we have two characters. It begins with a 40-year-old woman named Georgie Burns, and she kisses Alex Priest, a 75-year-old man, on the back of the neck at the train station. So we see these two particles that run into each other, and for the rest of the play, she is velocity and he is position until, perhaps, they just might switch. Uh -huh. That's right. And that's the, the sort of the drama of the play. Um, you mentioned the word uh, surprising. The, the, you know, a love story of, of two people who meet uh, cute is not a particularly unusual thing, but there is a surprising element in this play, and that is the the generations, uh, generational differences between the two. Uh, why is that important in this story? Do you think, or do you think? Well, I I think it's the age difference certainly, and I also think it is the difference in personalities. Perhaps I, perhaps I go off on a tangent and come back to the question, uh -huh. uh, but but. They are, they are also two opposites of each other, right? There's the, the uh, polar opposite magnetization between them. Um, but I, I, think the I think the surprise and the generational difference, uh, one, builds suspense, um, but the unlikeliness of them coming together. Jerry, I bet you know the answer to this. I don't know, uh, not at I, all. Uh, could you feed it to me and then I could say it? Well, I, I, I <laughs> guess it has something to do with creating uh, tension, uh, right? Creating right. drama um, if it were two people, you know, if it were, uh, uh, you know, Paul Newman and Meryl Streep, then it wouldn't be a big surprise that mm -hmm. these two beautiful people came together. But when people who are of such differing uh, worldviews are able to, to find a connection, then I guess uh, the, the, the bond seems uh, more tenuous, and so that creates a sense of um, drama or, or urgency in the play, maybe? Yeah, you know, listening to you say that also makes me think about, I think in different age relationships, there is also, uh, at first I thought safety, but I'm actually thinking now permission because there is an impossibility for these two people, Alex Priest is 75, Georgie is 42, right? There is an impossibility for them to be together for eternity, right? Or for uh, the, the traditional length of a marriage, right. right? And because that there isn't the possibility for that kind of velocity, 
that one might have at the beginning of a marriage that's or a relationship mm. that starts much earlier. They each give each other and themselves more permission to be more of their biggest and boldest selves because there isn't this end point, this destination that they are going towards. Yeah. Children and a, a house with a picket fence yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, and there isn't the, interestingly enough, there isn't the exquisite pressure of time because they know that that future is actually not possible. Uh -huh. So they are more able to enjoy the now yeah. than a relationship uh, that m that might fit more into our traditional mold. Mm -hmm. And does 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 that challenge them as a couple, uh, not having a a, a, a map uh, charted out for them in that sense? Uh, absolutely. There are a series of opportunities in which either one of them have the opportunity to bail question whether or not they should bail uh, to figure out what that route is. Yeah. Um, I think for Alex, there's a big question about whether or not it's right to experience this now with this woman who could have a really long future with someone else. Uh, and I think he feels an immense amount of responsibility to her um, but also is really excited about the opportunity to experience the world anew for, in a bigger and bolder way himself and experience the world anew through her impulsivity. Yeah, which is considerable. It, it absolutely is. She is yeah. spontaneous and her laugh is absolutely contagious. Is, is that important to the relationship? You know, could, could the relationship have happened if she had been a, a dour spinster or something like that or or do, does she have to be somebody who exists on the the border of um civilized behavior i think <laughs> well i you know i think that there is something that is so incredibly bold about her that that is infectious for an audience and it also really uh, alex is really taken with that mm -hmm. uh i think there are certain situations in which she's probably pushed people away uh because she is so inside of herself and present um but i i also keep thinking about uh howard brenton has this phrase i believe he used it uses it in a number of his plays um, but he has one of his characters say I'm a sucker for experience and I feel like Georgie is a sucker for experience and uh -huh. interested in experiencing life and all of its possibilities um, and not missing a moment and Alex's life has been exactly the opposite he has not taken risks he has mm. not traveled mm. um, and so she teaches him how to be just a little bit of a sucker for experience uh -huh. You have, uh, just slightly shifting gears, you, you have always brought uh, with you um, a strong sense of, uh, of design uh, when you work on plays. I don't think that's uh, an exaggeration to say. Uh, when I think back on Oppenheimer, on Much Ado About Nothing, which m many of our audience members re recall very fondly, um, as do I, uh, Brigadoon, uh, um, and, um, and Romeo and Juliet a couple of years ago, there's a strong sense of design that is not um, attempting to recreate a, a, a place necessarily, or at least not to recreate it in a sort of expected way. Can you talk a little bit about your, your feelings about 
the design elements in a production? Absolutely. Um, well, one, I think in all of those productions that you've named, I've been really fortunate to have the opportunity, thank you, Jerry, uh, to collaborate with uh, Ed Intiman, uh, who is a brilliant lighting and scenic designer, um, but also I think a lot of the collaborative process is who you're working with and who you can jam with and who you can push back on, um, and that goes both ways, and really ask each other the big questions. Um, I've also been... Uh, uh, additionally fortunate on this show uh, to get to work with on the sound design team uh, both David Rainey and B um, who are teaming up on finding uh, the music and the design and that has really influenced the metaphor of this production Be right be right. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, the the metaphor for this production, there is a sonata, uh, the box uh, sonata for violin and piano in B minor, which is a duet between two instruments. Um, but there is also this conversation about how music is not in the notes, it's in the space between two notes. So that really becomes a metaphor for the whole production. So looking at this one moment and exploding it out, thinking about... Uh, uh, with every production you look at, or I look at, um, what is it that you absolutely need to tell this story? And if you just have this one thing, then that would make the play resonate more in space, in sound. It would enable you to hear the text more. And so with each of these productions, uh, Ed and I, and with each, uh, with each design team, looking at what is it that you absolutely need. So for this, it's the Bach Sonata for violin and piano, and then that has uh, reverberated out into what that means for sound design and what that means for scenic design. And we're mm -hmm. about to go into tech, so we'll see what it means for lighting design. And, uh, and I imagine the costumes. Uh, oh, well. yes, 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 absolutely. So that, that's actually really interesting. So Katie Worlin is doing the costume design. And one of the conversations that we're having with costumes mm -hmm. is how much of it is designed and within this metaphor world, and then how much of it is actually real people in contrast to the design. Right. To, to this designed world and what what is it that these real people would wear because sometimes the design element actually stands out more what it's in contrast to a really uh, uh, a really clear reality I, I have that sense I've directed a number of, uh, of Connor McPherson's plays over the years and I have a strong sense that the storytelling which includes uh, inevitably for him a uh, um, a supernatural element uh, is best rooted in as much um, naturalism as possible so that it, it stands out from that. So I, I have a similar uh, idea, slightly different, but having to do with how the, the text can emerge from a, from a play. Um, so this is, uh, and I guess this will be our last question. We, we have, we're, we've got about uh, 10 more minutes before our rehearsal starts, so uh, excuse the brevity of this, listeners. But uh, Emily, why are you um, why are you doing this? Why am I doing this? I, I'll add one thing: your 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 mother uh, teaches ethics at mm -hmm. a college, and your father uh, writes for a newspaper. 
and a lot of times when artists emerge into the world, they come out sort of unexpectedly, but, but I can't think of a better um, collaboration, if you will, to produce an artist than an ethics teacher and a journalist. You know, that seems like a, the perfect pairing. Is that, is that it, or is there, is there more than that? Like, what, what do you, you're very, uh, obviously very intelligent, very motivated, very uh, passionate, and, and uh, committed to, to whatever you do. Why are you spending your time uh, making theater? Um, I think it is that great, it's the, it's the question of the puzzle that really drives me. Um, it's figuring out how things uh, fit together in surprising ways. I really do find that infinitely uh, compelling. And I, and, uh, and I think that the act of telling stories is a brave, bold, political act uh, that does have the possibility to uh, to raise questions and to also make change. I think this particular story is something that pulls me to it because I do really think it is the um, great crisis of our modern age uh, that we are unable to connect with each other, which doesn't just have to do with technology. Um, this play also looks at uh, global warming and gravity um, and just our inability to reach out and touch each other uh, in this world and how we are so impossibly far apart from each other and so incredibly alone and how we also get in our way all the time to actually reach out to another person uh, and have a real moment with another person. It looks at our ability to be present mm. with other people and questions that. And I think for this particular story, that is the story to tell right now and moving forward is how is it that we can how is it that we can find each other somewhere in the middle out there in space that seems like a good place to stop uh, emily thank you for queuing that up for us uh, heisenberg by simon stevens opens january 19th at burning cold theater and runs through february 5th uh, tickets are available at 834-4001 or on our website at burningcold.org. And Emily Rainey, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jerry.